Welcome to Inside Maine, only today it should be Inside the World because we're going to be talking about the conflict in Ukraine with Bill Cohen, former Maine Senator, Secretary of Defense, and uh, someone who is, uh, has as deep knowledge of, of foreign policy and defense policy as uh, anyone in the country. And I'm delighted that Bill has taken some time to, to join us this morning. Senator Cohen, Secretary Cohen, Bill Cohen, what's your immediate, oh, I should have said Mayor Cohen. I forgot about the mayor of Bangor. Give me a, a sort of overall reflection on what's going on in Ukraine and why should we care, I think, is a place to start. That's a question I get sometimes in Maine. Well, Angus, uh, first of all, uh, let me thank you for inviting me on to share a few thoughts uh, with you. And I I think I will gain as much in talking to you as you'll get from me. And I understand you've made a trip uh, over to Brussels and uh, also to Poland and perhaps other places. So uh, I I will gain as much from you as uh, as you will from me, I'm, I'm sure of it. In terms of Ukraine, uh, the country's being devastated. Uh, this is something that President Putin, uh, if he if he can't have his way, he will destroy it. And I had the chance uh, while I was Secretary of Defense to spend a lot of time in Ukraine. In fact, the defense minister was a man named Kuzmuk, uh, who had a big barrel-chested guy. He used to hug me. Uh, and when he hugged me, it basically was like uh, uh, choking me out of my breath. Uh, but it was a friendly gesture, just a big guy doing it. Uh, but he, from the very beginning, he said, we want you to use our bases. This is after the wall came down. and. They were at uh, odds ends, and he said, we have fine bases that you can train here. And I said, well, we'll have to take that all into account to see uh, how, what this wall coming down really does mean. Um, they clearly were in favor of moving uh, toward a Western style of government. Uh, Ukraine has over the years been uh, charged with corruption, as has Russia, Moldova, all of the other countries in the region. Uh, but there was a real sense that uh, this new president, uh, Zelensky, uh, was the real deal. And he had in mind getting as close as he could, membership if he could, into the EU. And also had uh, to, he had aspired to become a member of NATO. In that he saw security, he saw that, that he'd have to subordinate his military to civilian rule, he'd have to have a capitalistic form of government, etc. All the things that we require. And at the time, we had a policy that said, look, the NATO door is open to virtually everybody, but you've got to climb a very steep set of stairs to get there. Um, and Ukraine was nowhere near there, and it was not on the uh, admission list or consideration list for a long time. But let's go back a few years, and you were just over in Munich, and, um, and this was the first time I missed the Munich Security Conference in 41 years uh, and because of the COVID. But at the Munich, Munich, Munich Security Conference, um, Vladimir Putin was invited back in 2007. I was there in the front rows. And the atmosphere at the conference was, and these were, when we talked about the security conference, uh, your, your listeners should know, it's not just NATO members but uh, members from all over the world attend that conference. China is there, Russia is there, Singapore is there, 
um, Mongolia, they have all of the countries virtually in the world that uh, want to be at the most important security conference, they're there. The attitude was, was wow, we've got uh, President Vladimir Putin coming. What a great thing. We're going to find ways that we can embrace him and make things go forward. Uh, and that was the atmosphere when he got up to speak. Uh, it faded very quickly because he gave uh, the coldest Cold War speech I've ever heard. And the members were stunned by it. He was angry. He was resentful. He made that speech about the greatest tragedy of the 20th century was the fall of the Soviet empire. And he was visibly angry. And frankly, the members didn't know what to make of it. They were expecting something quite, quite different. Well, from the, he made it clear from that point forward that he was going to try to reverse uh, the momentum at that point that was headed toward Western democracy for the most part and was going to reverse it and try to reconstitute the Soviet empire under the Russian flag. And so um, what bothered him mostly, uh, there are a lot of things that by rumor bothered him, a comment by former President Obama uh, that um, Russia was simply a regional power. It wasn't really a big player anymore. And that got his attention. That's when he started to really invest in his military uh, to try to modernize it and become a much more lethal uh, uh, military. Uh, there were other things he felt that the United States was giving in the back of our hands and that uh, without any regard to his feelings about security, we were rushing pell-mell uh, to extend NATO up against his border. Um, and that became a threat to him. So he made that claim uh, on a number of occasions and we didn't pay much attention to it. And so finally he decided, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And the lesson was I'm going to have a massive training exercise and keep you in doubt as to what the purpose of that is. You may recall as we were leading up to the Olympics, uh, he said, I'm going to put uh, 90,000 of my men. That was 120,000, 130,000, went up to 190,000. But don't worry, it's just an exercise. And don't worry, we're never going to attack. And don't worry, if we attack, it'll only be uh, uh, military type facilities. No residential areas will be touched. Well, of course, he lied in each and every one of those cases. So uh, he called upon those 190,000 to then start taking down, circling and then taking down, destroying uh, all of the major cities in uh, Ukraine. He's now displaced some 10 million refugees. Uh, many of them, maybe as many as 60 million living in Ukraine without a home, uh, a, a dollar bill or uh, any kind of currency uh, in their pocket, not even toothbrushes. Uh, so they're now, 10 million people displaced is what he has done. I think the Biden administration uh, has done an outstanding job uh, because during the past five years, uh, the former president did everything in his power to degrade our relationship with NATO, uh, chastising them, saying that they were obsolete, uh, berating them for not spending 2% of their uh, GDP for military uh, means. Uh, pulling our troops out of uh, Syria without any consultation with our uh, allies who were serving with us in Syria. Uh, the, uh, that kind of disastrous pullout in Afghanistan in the beginning, it, once it got uh, operated, it was pretty fantastic. But 
losing the uh, the Marines in the process with pretty uh, uh, poor image for the United States, saying that we're getting out of remaining troops out of Syria, getting out of the Iraq, uh, and uh, President Obama saying we're pivoting toward the Indo-Pacific region. All of that unsettled the European nations saying we're no longer relevant, that the president of the United States is looking to China and to the eastern part of the world where most of the population is and where most of the wealth is going to be generated. So NATO countries began to doubt us. Uh, the chancellor of Germany said, uh, I guess it's the point now where we, count, we can't count upon the United States for our security. Uh, first time since the end of the Cold War. You had other countries, France, trying to establish a European self-defense initiative. Uh, other uh, members saying, what do we do? Uh, the, uh, the president doesn't like us. Um, we've got Russia over here that we've had to contend with all of these years. China is a major trading partner for us now. Uh, what should we do? And then along came Putin, and he changed all of that uh, by invading a neutral country and leveling the kind of devastation that he has. He's done everything uh, that he, he's achieved everything that he didn't try to achieve. He's unified NATO, he solidified uh, bipartisan support, Capitol Hill for the most part. Uh, he's rallied his own people in ways that only a war could do and only a war president could do. Uh, and he has caused um, Putin to be on his heels. You know, one of the great ironies is that uh, uh, Putin and now President Xi Jinping uh, are new best friends. Well, one thing, if you're going to be a new best friend, you ought to try to study the country you're trying to be the best friend of. And the, the greatest military strategist for the Chinese is Sun Tzu. And Sun Tzu said, uh, you know, three important things. He said more than that, but three uh, important things, or four. He said... If you know yourself, your country, and you go into battle, you will be guaranteed victory 50% of the time. If you go into battle not knowing yourself, but knowing your enemy, you will guarantee victory 50% of the time. But if you go into battle not knowing yourself or your enemy, you will lose 100% of the time. So what has happened with Putin he didn't know his own military. Uh, there are a bunch of conscripts, not well-trained, not well-armed, not well-educated in the art of war. Uh, he has uh, certainly not known who the Ukrainians are because he expected them to fold. Uh, and as a result of that, on the probability chart, he is likely to lose this uh, war effort. Even though it's sort of like Rocky, uh, fighting uh, Apollo Creed or Rocky fighting uh, Drago, that he's so outmatched in height and weight and power that it's almost impossible for him to go up against uh, Drago or, um, or, or Apollo Creed. And here he is. Uh, this is Zelensky playing the role of Rocky, saying you may be bigger, you may have more weapons, we have more will. Uh, and uh, so I think he has the fight of his life right now, but it then moves into what he has demonstrated in the past. There is no bottom to the horror that he's capable of unleashing. 
uh, on innocent people. And we've seen it in multiple occasions. Uh, we see it with his own people. And Navalny, uh, who has just been reassigned an additional nine years in prison uh, for his crimes of some alleged uh, falsehood. Uh, he murders his opponents, uh, shoots them while crossing the, the public bridges in, in Moscow, tracks them down, daughter and, and father, and uh, uh, provides a unique exotic poison uh, to kill them. So he's familiar with, uh, uh, with all of these methods uh, that are part of the devil's pot. And now he's using them. He's about to use them. The one that is most troubling, and I know you feel this way as, as well, when he starts talking in a normal voice about using uh, nuclear weapons, uh, that gets down to a threshold which can, be, um, can terminate life on the planet. Uh, and that's something we've tried to work with. I know you have as well over the years. We've had so many nuclear weapons. And if they were used, uh, this planet would be turned into a uh, just a burning cinder with no life left on it. Uh, we, back in the good old days when it was the Cold War, uh, we did a lot of research on, on nuclear winter. Uh, and uh, there's been a lot of study done by our national labs in terms of what happens if you had a 100 kiloton bomb uh, that went off in, let's say, the city of New York and name any major area, what happens? And how far out does the radius go? And how much poison is released in the air? And how many hundreds of tons of dust go up into the air and block out the sun, which then means the planet turns into a, uh, a very cold piece of ice. So all of these studies have been done, and that's one of the reasons why uh, we uh, decided upon the MAD doctrine. Uh, what Putin is doing now, it's a mutually assured disruption. He has managed to disrupt life for millions of people on the European part of the, of the planet, uh, on the Asian part of the planet, and certainly here at home. By doing what he is doing, creating the shortages he's creating, uh, already having the supply uh, chain uh, kinks, uh, and on top of Ovid, by starting this war, he has now caused the price of gasoline to jump and is going higher, not only for people in Europe, uh, but certainly people in Maine. And it's likely to stay higher until we find a resolution uh, to what he's doing. Now, you have heard the talk about uh, escalate to de-escalate. Now, that's a, that's a very simple concept. Uh, what does, Putin says, I'm going to use my conscripts on the ground. I'm going to go in. The mere fact I've got almost 200,000 people coming at them in combat gear, heavy tanks, uh, aircraft flying over them, firing art artillery, that will break them very early. Uh, and so that's the that's game plan one, or part A. If that doesn't work, uh, I'm going to... Uh, fire my long-range missiles, cruise missiles, and uh, heap even more damage. And then I move from military installations to hitting uh, residential sectors. Again, to create great fear and drive people into other countries, which, by the way, was a rationale for why we went to war back in Bosnia when I was at the Defense Department. We didn't have a mandate from uh, United Nations. We sat back and said, 
me working with Madeleine Albright uh, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and, and others and said, we haven't seen this kind of effort at ethnic cleansing since World War II, since Hitler. So we can't get NATO uh, involved because you, you still had uh, you know, the Security Council uh, that were being blocked by China and Russia. And so it will be a coalition of the willing. And so a coalition of the willing undertook to prevent Slobodan Milosevic from murdering, cleansing uh, an entire people. And I think we're pretty much there now in terms of what, uh, uh, what Putin is trying to do. It's tantamount to genocide that you're focusing on driving out of people, out of their country, cleansing them either by murdering them or removing them from the, uh, the country itself. He's committed horrible war crimes. Uh, he should be charged with having committed war crimes uh, and be held accountable for it. <clears throat> Whether that takes place or not, for me, is not the biggest issue. I want to see the, the imaginary words WC on his head, uh, which stands for war criminal. Now, I have some ambivalent emotions about this, I think it's okay for me to say that. Uh, I would prefer not to have uh, the President of the United States and Secretary of State not say it, um, because I think that makes it impossible for President Biden to ever sit down at the same table, not even the table that is you know, 600 feet long. <laughs> As I have mocked in some of the interviews I've done, you can land a, a, a F-35 on that desk. <laughs> and it's not only uh, because he's afraid of COVID. I am convinced he doesn't want to let anyone get near him. I think he is so concerned that there's dissent within his military advisors, within his intelligence advisors, within uh, those people who are closest to him who are saying, Mr. or have not said and don't dare say, Mr. President, <laughs> You made a big mistake, and we got to find a way out of that. His way out of it now is saying, you've seen my missiles. You've seen that I have hypersonic missiles. Uh, I also have tactical nuclear missiles, and I'm prepared to use them. And that that's a game changer. That's a game changer for, um, for Europe, the EU, NATO, for Russia and China and India. Because once you use a nuclear weapon, we say, well, what do we do with that weapon? We just stand back and say, well, sorry, he did that. Or do, are we tempted to use our own, which may be bigger than what he has in terms of a, quote, tactical nuclear weapon on the battlefield? So now we're up in the higher range uh, kilotons. Uh, and then we hit his sights. And then he said, I'll do you one more. I'll do you one better. And so slowly or rapidly, actually, you're climbing up the chain uh, to total destruction of Mother Earth. So I call it matricide. So uh, is he bluffing? Uh, he could be. Uh, but I, I've quoted Henry Kissinger years ago. If you ever get a chance, uh, read his White House years. Uh, I've known Henry since 1972 and uh, tried to read all of his books. I can't. Uh, they're a thousand pages long, and I kid with him, and he says, well, I may not be a great writer, but if you read me, you'll be a great reader. Uh, <laughs> and so I've tried to be a great reader, but there is wisdom buried on practically every page. And one thing that stood out for me 
he said a, a, a bluff that is taken seriously can be helpful, but a threat that is taken as a bluff can be catastrophic. And that's sort of where we are uh, on uh, dealing with him now. It could be a bluff, but uh, we can dismiss it saying he wouldn't go that low. Well, he's gone that low. Look what he has done to people, killing innocent babies. You know, he had a reputation of rubbing the, the bellies of babies. He's a, a father figure, rub the bellies. Well, now he's pumping bullets into the babies. And so that is, image has all changed as to who he is. So now the question is, would he dare go to a nuclear weapon, tactical, lower yield, whatever it might be? And would we then cross the threshold? Uh, I think that's something that uh, President uh, Biden has to be discussing while he's over in Brussels, to be sure. And I think at that point, um, I have been very insistent on China having a bigger role uh, in, in working with their new best friend. Uh, I say the same for India, two different situations. China has signed on and shaken hands as having a new best friend. And so it puts them in a, a rather unique position. Let's take yeah. a quick break right now and we'll come back. This is fascinating. And you're, you're hitting all the, all the points that, that I hoped we could, we could uh, cover. So stay with us on Inside Maine. We'll be back with Bill Cohen in, in just a moment. And we're trying to get into the head and mind of Vladimir Putin. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Inside Maine. This is Angus King. I'm meeting this week with Bill Cohen, former Secretary of Defense, Senator, and most importantly, Mayor of Bangor. We're talking about Ukraine and Putin. And uh, Bill, when we left off, we were talking about the threat or the bluff of tactical nuclear weapons, which, as you know, is part of the Russian uh, strategy if they're losing on the battlefield and they feel there's a, a threat to the motherland. And of course, they define Ukraine is part of the motherland. So this is an extremely dangerous moment. I characterized uh, Putin recently as the most dangerous person in history, given his aggressive tendencies, his desire to reconstitute the Soviet Union, and the fact that he sits atop uh, one of the world's largest nuclear arsenals with an apparent willingness to consider using them. Uh, I can't imagine a more dangerous situation that we've been in since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he's also trained with them, which is why it makes it so uh, dangerous. He's actually out there training with uh, tactical nuclear weapons. Um, we uh, don't have tacticals. We've had shorter range. We've had intermediate range uh, nuclear missiles, and we have the ICBMs and the air-launched uh, and sea-launched. Um, but it's not part of our doctrine to train with uh, the nuclear weapons on the battlefield. So he's made it clear that he doesn't like losing and he will not lose. And that means if I have to use nuclear weapons, as his spokesman said yesterday on CNN, uh, if it comes to an existential question, then the use of nuclear weapons is within our concept. So that's part of their concept and their doctrine. Uh, how is he going to react when he's thoroughly in, embarrassed when 
the Russian people who have been hermetically sealed from having any access to truth find out that he's waged a war against his brethren, sisters and brothers and cousins. The Ukrainian people are very close. They sometimes speak the same language. In various parts of Ukraine, that is the primary language, but they are different. Uh, and Ukraine has been separate and distinct and ruled to be so. In fact, gave up its nuclear weapons uh, as a, in, in return for a pledge that they wouldn't be attacked. So uh, they are at the mercy at this point of a man who is heavily armed and with a country that is basically uh, creating uh, militia uh, forces to try and fend off uh, uh, the heavy... Well, yeah. He, he does have one option short of nuclear weapons, which he used in Chechnya and he enabled in Syria, which is the indiscriminate bombing of civilians, uh, or in this case, it's more less bombing and more missiles and artillery. Uh, what do we do? A, a, a friend of mine yesterday on the Senate floor said, what do we do if they start to just uh, uh, carpet bomb these, these, uh, these cities? In fact, when I was in uh, Poland over the weekend, I met with a group of Ukrainian uh, people, including some refugees, and they used the word rubble as a verb. I'd never heard that before. They said, Putin wants to rubble our country. Yeah. And uh, what this is similar to the decision you all faced in the Balkans. Do we, we've, the President Biden's made it clear, we're not gonna go into Ukraine. We're not gonna put boots on the ground in Ukraine. We don't want to escalate this into World War III, but what are our options if he starts to just uh, 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 rubbleize uh, Kharkiv or, or Kiev or Mariupol? Uh, it seems to me that's one of the that's a, a terrible decision our president's going to have to make, perhaps in the next week or so. Right. Well, uh, he may also use uh, chemical weapons and barrel bombs, which they used in uh, Syria just barrels uh, filled with bombs dropping from the sky, filled with chemical uh, weapons as well. Uh, and so chemical weapons, he has uh, vast research in biological weapons, nerve agents, uh, VX, sarin, um, taboon, all of these others. I, I know when I was at the Pentagon, I had to mandate that uh, all the people we were sending over the Middle East had to be vaccinated against anthrax. And uh, going back to 1979, he had a, a, an anthrax leak at Sverdlovsk uh, in 1979. They covered it up as best they could, but some 66 people died from inhaling anthrax. And you may recall some years ago, uh, the majority leader uh, got mail that was filled with uh, anthrax spores, so pretty deadly business. So he has a vast array of chemicals and biologicals he could use. Um, and I, I have no doubt that he's going to use them. So the question becomes at that point, does that constitute such an egregious breach of human law, international law, that the West is willing to go to war with him uh, under the circumstances? Tough issue. That's why I suggest that China, the new best friend of, of uh, Russia, uh, has to step in quietly it won't do it openly, but it has to say that this has to be brought to an end because if we go to a nuclear level exchange, ever go to a nuclear level exchange, 
it goes to it will um, destroy Russia. It will destroy China as well. Uh, it will destroy the seas that we have with all that radiation going. Destroy our seafood. It will destroy the uh, uh, our coral uh, rocks. Uh, it will destroy virtually everything on the planet. And Eisenhower said, uh, well, one time he said, I don't know with what weapons uh, World War III will be fought with, but I do know what weapons World War IV will be fought with, sticks and stones. And that's his way of saying, you will level this planet. It will be nothing but uh, a handful of dust, radioactive dust. So those are the issues involved uh, with dealing with Putin. Is he rational enough to say, think that if he, if he gets away with just a, a, quote, a small nuclear weapon, will we back away at that point or say that's the line you dare not and dared to cross? I don't know the answer to that. That's, uh, that's why President Biden and his military advisors are going to have to advise him. But as you see that level of destruction uh, in Ukraine now, ask the main people, ask every citizen of this country, are you prepared to have that level of damage done across the United States? Um, that's going to be the test because he has the capacity to do that. We, in turn, have the capacity to do exactly the same uh, to Russia. So we've gone, we, we were at mad mutual assured destruction as our, I mean, think about it. We're on the edge of, uh, of uh, our fingers around a hair trigger uh, and as a way to deter anybody from ever using a nuclear weapon anywhere in the planet. Uh, and then we move to mutual assured disruption, which can be almost as devastating. And you're working with us now. If they, in fact, have implanted malware in our critical infrastructure system with a, uh, an electric um, uh, signal going across your computer, you could shut down our water distribution system, our electrical distribution system, uh, our communication system, our air traffic system, all, all I, of the Bill, horribles that you couldn't do. Yeah, Bill, I think, I think that may well be his next step. Yes. Is some kind of cyber attack. The the, the 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 president released information yesterday that we we now know that they've been probing our uh, energy uh, our, our uh, uh, oil and gas industry pipelines and in New England uh, sixty percent of our electricity comes from natural gas and it all comes through pipelines so they could effectively shut down the grid uh, overnight uh, and and this is a tool that. You know he he's got a lot of tools to strike back and and of course these sanctions are biting his economy uh, terribly. I get let's turn it around for a, for a minute. Is there any chance that he may be looking for an off ramp for some kind of uh, compromise with uh, with uh, with Ukraine? There was a talk last week of Ukrainian neutrality like Austria or Sweden and that that might suffice and. and uh, then the question becomes, what about Crimea and the Donbass? But yeah. uh, do you think, I mean, is is he looking, it, it, does he realize the mistake that he's made or, uh, or is he just going to double down and and uh, and try to try to uh, force the solution that he that he wants? Because he's I mean, I was over there, as I mentioned, and, and the Ukrainians are never going to be a part of Russia. I mean, ironically, he's achieved 
the exact opposite of what he wanted, the integration of Ukraine into Russia. They hate Russia and they hate him and that's gonna last for generations. Plus, if the other thing he wanted to do was to divide and, 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 and weaken NATO, NATO's never been stronger than it is right now. Uh, Germany has made historic changes in their policy of sending arms to, to another country and, and significantly increasing their defense budget. I mean, he's, he's really screwed up uh, in a major way. And the question is, does he realize that? Is he going to try to find an off-ramp or is he going to double down? Well, you know, the, the, the big issue is who's going to tell him, Mr. President, you screwed up. Uh, none of your plans are working out. You are now left with going to uh, chemical, biological, running a risk, whatever that may be, it's a risk. Uh, you have threatened indirectly, if not directly, to go to a tactical nuclear weapon. Uh, you should not do that. It will spell the potentially the end of the world. Uh, I don't know if he has anybody that can tell him that. Uh, he's keeping everybody at a great, great distance. I mean, I, that desk gets longer every day I see it. And I think there's a genuine concern because he's had under house arrest some of his top intelligence people. He's fired a number of generals. Five or six have been killed in battle already. Uh, so the question is, who can talk to him and say, hey, Vlad, uh, we're in a deep space here that we got to get out of. That's where uh, Xi Jinping comes into play. That's where the prime minister of India come into play. But there are always complications on this. Number one, uh, Xi doesn't want to uh, persuade uh, Putin that he's failed, that his new best friend has proved to be a failure. So that means he's made a bad mistake himself. How does that play uh, in the, the Chinese uh, society? If they get that information, there's, there's absolute suppression of information in China as well. But that's one factor he has to consider for himself. Secondly, to the extent that uh, nuclear weapons are used, he is at risk. He and his country are at great risk. So the planet can be wiped out. Under those circumstances, can he go phone call, meet a, new, new, uh, a neutral place, et cetera, sit down? Let's figure out a way where you can look like you're coming out a winner. Uh, there will never be NATO membership. There won't be EU membership. We'll have the Donbass. We'll have uh, Crimea, but they'll have the rest of it. Um, there are, by the way, reparations you're going to have to make. You have destroyed trillions of dollars worth of buildings, et cetera. Uh, Putin could be in a position to do that. And then the other man is Prime Minister Modi. Um, I, I'm on a uh, one of these advisory boards, the United States-India Strategic Partnership Organization. Uh, and we talked frequently with uh, Indian uh, uh, officials just this past week to have done so. And India is in a, a difficult position. I also, I put Israel in a, in a position. I said, look, Israel has got a great relationship going with Russia. Um, they've worked out a deal where if Syrian forces are, are taking Iranian weapons, passing them through to Lebanon, um, Israel gets a free shot at them without the Russian uh, MiGs uh, missiles firing at them. So they've got a real security interest in this. But I've asked the, the Israelis to do what they can to go over and say, this is not a good deal for any of us. Then the Prime Minister Modi, here's a unique position he finds himself in. Most of his weapons come from 
of Russia. Um, when they developed their nuclear weapons, we shut them off. We turned and uh, away from India until President Clinton made the trip in the year 2000. So they were really cut off for two years, 1998, um, and the United States turned more to Pakistan and away from India. Uh, India turned to Russia. Uh, and, um, and so they are now in a position where they are, su they are supporting Russia because Russia is supporting them with energy and with weapons. But to the extent they look too close to Russia, they've got a problem because Russia is now aligning, it has aligned itself with China. So how does that work for them that now you have uh, the, uh, the Indian government is doing what? It's still linked up with Russia, although not aligned. It's now part of the Quad, the Quad being the United States, um, India, Japan, and Australia. Now that's an economic organization. They're all democracies. Australia, you know, it's a Pacific uh, country and an Atlantic country. They're in the, the middle because they do a lot of business with the Chinese. Uh, so we have now uh, struck uh, an organization called the Quad, again, US, India, J Japanese, and uh, Australia. To the extent they are moving to the Quad, well, the Chinese see that as kind of against them. So now they, uh, they, they have to take on the Chinese because of a long, long border with the, the Chinese. They had battles on that border for some time. So they are now in a position of what do we do? We still have relations with Russia, but we need the energy and we need the weapons. We are concerned about the explosive growth of military and economic capability of India which we are trying to get closer to the United States and Japan and Australia, that gives us more weight in dealing with China. So that's the kind of conundrum they are in. But I think the only way out of this is for either one or all three of these countries to have a tete-a-tete a -tete with, uh, uh, with Putin and say, okay, you made a point. You said you wouldn't listen to me. Well, now the West is listening to you. Uh, you destroyed half the country there with all the bombardment, and you killed a lot of innocent people for which your country is going to be held accountable. Uh, but you got your way. Uh, they, Zelensky has said, I'm not going to go into NATO. I'll even say, I'm not going into the EU. So you got your way on this now. But look what you did to get your way, and here's what you have to do going forward. Now, I think that's, in my judgment, the only way this is going to be solved. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping that diplomacy can break through, but it comes down to this. When you have the president say that, um, that Putin is a thug, uh, that he's a war criminal, which he is, uh, how does it make that possible for the two men to sit down at a table and bump fists, if not shake hands? How, how does that happen now uh, when you're into the name calling uh, business, which, again, I, Joe Biden is absolutely right. I've been saying that uh, he's committing war crimes. I know what the alley I did when we were in, in Bosnia and, uh, and what we were getting accused of, so I'm, I'm familiar with it. But it's harder now that you've dismissed this man as the cruel, uh, amoral, morally bankrupt individual that he is 
you leave that to people like me or you or other people who have uh, a platform to speak to and say, this is horrible. You can't shoot innocent children. You can't ask a mother whose child is suffering from brain cancer to take go down to the bomb shelter where they have no food and no water and they come out and you kill them anyway. Uh, that clearly is a, uh, is a crime. But then I, I think the president, if he's going to maintain any, not, not credibility, there's no credibility left between the two of them, never has been, but at least say, okay, we're gonna meet I don't like you, you don't like me, but we're gonna to try to solve this problem and stop the killing. We're, we're running out of time, but I think your suggestion of trying to engage uh, India and China in, uh, in moving him toward a, a, a solution, uh, a peaceful solution is a, is a good one because a military solution, as you pointed out, just looks like escalation in one direction or another. And of course, whatever settlement happens, uh, Zelensky's going to have to sign on. He's the he's really the the operative party, and he's going to have to convince his countrymen, who right now are absolutely committed to winning this war, uh, to right. make some compromises that they may not want to make. So uh, this is a, I think we're in a very very dangerous uh, status of this conflict right now. The next two or three weeks are going to be crucial. Uh, the, the, the work that we're doing and the allies are doing to supply the, the uh, Ukrainians both with humanitarian aid and, uh, and military aid is, is critical to, to maintaining at least a stalemate. And, and ironically, to the extent that the, that the Ukrainians start to win the war, which is very possible, then Putin is in an even more difficult uh, situation. So, uh, Bill, I'm afraid we didn't solve this uh, this morning, but... Uh, it was great to, to, to have your thoughts. Yeah, please go ahead. Very quickly, uh, Angus, I hope you'll use your position to really start to educate the American people. The notion that well, a tactical nuclear weapon is only you know, a kiloton or 10 kiloton, whatever it might be, to educate the American people of what that really means and start going back uh, to uh, the, the books that have been written about uh, how much damage would be done by a small uh, a, a nuclear terrorist bomb. Uh, lots of articles uh, written about this. Um, and I'm trying to think the professor at Harvard uh, who has written extensively on it. But go back and educate the people. This is not just a bigger cap pistol. This is something that could end the world as we know it. And nuclear winter, which we, was, uh, we tried to dismiss back in the 80s, it's real. And you see when volcanoes erupt and what it does to the sky, well, imagine when you've got a tonnage of uh, nuclear weapons that are uh, 10 to 100 times bigger in terms of explosive pack uh, uh, power than Nagasaki. Um, that gives you some dimension. And just imagine we've had COVID here, what the damage has been done. Now just put a nuclear uh, exchange on top of that. So uh, we're getting too cavalier and saying, oh, well, that's part of our doctrine. I, I, Bill, I, I agree. In, in fact, I've, I've been making that very point. I think part of what's happened is uh, uh, about, for about 40 years, Americans have not worried too much about nuclear weapons. It's been sort of off the table. Right. You and I grew up at a time when it was a, a, a very real and constant threat. And I think uh, I, I, I've been, uh, this, just this week, I've been a couple of times on television talking about how catastrophic it would be, and uh, people have to understand this is just not a bigger 
a bigger bomb. It's uh, qualitatively different and catastrophic. I, Ronald Reagan put it best. He said, uh, "No one will win a nuclear war," and uh, I think that's a I think that's a, 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 a tough, a, an unpleasant way to end this discussion. But as you as you point out, I think it's a necessary one, and I think right now we're we're having to. Uh, do all we can to support the Ukrainians and uh, wish the president well in terms of, of his ability to find a, a diplomatic solution. Uh, well, let's hope uh, Putin comes to his senses, that people around him will tell him the truth, and that uh, we can find a resolution. Bill Cohen, thank you for your time today and for your wisdom and experience, and uh, we'll keep talking. Angus, keep doing what you're doing. You are representing not only Maine, you're representing the country and doing an astonishing and great job. Thank you, Bill. And uh, for those of you who are with us on Inside Maine, it's been a serious and sobering conversation, but thanks for being with us and uh, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.